92nd Street Y Online Media is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. This program features a reading of Dylan Thomas's Under Milkwood, directed by Michael Sheen and starring Sheen, Matthew Aubrey, Kate Burton, Carl Johnson, Mark Lewis Jones, and Francine Morgan. It was produced as a special centennial celebration of Dylan Thomas and recorded on October 26th, 2014, before a live audience at New York's 92nd Street Y. Thank you very much. Welcome uh, to those of you listening on the radio in Wales and beyond. Welcome to New York. <laughs> and for those of you here at this beautiful theater, the 92nd Street Y Theater, Croiso y Cymru, welcome to Wales. Uh, it's incredibly exciting to be here uh, on this very special occasion for a number of reasons. One, because tomorrow marks the centenary of the birth of the great Welsh poet, Dylan Thomas. Uh, I'm wearing a bow tie in honor of Dylan. I'm sorry, I can't get it straight. I'm sorry, Dylan, it's wonky. But then you were mainly wonky through your life as well. Um, but I apologize. Uh, uh, and also, of course, because maybe you don't know, um, this very stage that I am standing on with my wonderful cast uh, is the very stage that Under Milk Wood, the play that we are going to perform for you today, was very first performed on the 14th of May, 1953. And the only recording of Dylan Thomas doing Under Milk Wood himself was recorded on this stage at that performance. Uh, the only reason we have the recording, the Cadmon recording, wonderful Cadmon recordings of all of Dylan Thomas's readings, um, the only reason we have it is because at the very last second, someone thought to put a tape recorder on the stage in front of Dylan. Now, I've been told that's not true, but I'm sticking with it because it's a good story. Uh, the genesis of the play, uh, Under Milkwood, seemed to take somewhere around 10 years with Dylan. He'd been thinking about it for a long time. Uh, he was uh, inspired by a number of places, uh, of, uh, a fishing village in Wales called Newquay that he went to, uh, that geographically seems to be like the village Hregib, uh, that the play is about one day in the life of. But the characters, the community that are presented in the play seem to have more to do with Lan, uh, uh, Dylan's beloved Lan, where he lived for many years. The play, as I say, in Genesis, seemed to pop up in letters, ideas for it. Uh, for a long time, he described it, he was going to call it the town that was mad, that uh, seems to give you a sense of what the people in the town are like. Um, and it was still developing, it seems, even when he did that first performance. Uh, I had a wonderful letter from uh, someone who uh, was at that first performance in 1953, and who was 15 years old, she was a student, and she said that before the play began, the director of the Poetry Center here, John Malcolm Brinin, at the time, came out on the stage and said, I'm terribly sorry, ladies and gentlemen, for the delay, but our author is finishing the play backstage. <laughs> and uh, apparently this is absolutely true. Um, he was forced into a back room in order to finish the last few pages of the play and apparently handed out those pages to the actors as they were walking onto the stage. Now, uh, the actors who took part in it uh, on that night were, uh, there were six, including Dylan, like we have today, um, but the other five actors were American actors who were working at the Y at the time. 
um, and they did a fantastic job. Uh, but tonight I have uh, a wonderful group of Welsh actors, all of whom I've either worked with before or I've known for many years. Um, there are all kinds of wonderful connections up here, but of course, Dylan died before he could record the play for the BBC. Um, and so instead, stepping into the breach, a good friend of his, Richard Burton, uh, performed the play for the BBC recording and became synonymous with the play. Uh, and not only Richard Burton, but his uh, wife, Sybil Williams, was in that. And the daughter of Richard Burton and Sybil Williams is with us today. Kate Burton. And in many emotional connections with what's going on today, um, uh, Kate will be playing, I think, quite a few of the parts that Sybil, her mother, played in that recording. Now, bringing Wales and New York together is very emotional for me, so I won't talk any more about it because I'll probably start to weep copious amounts on this stage. So, without any further ado, I hope you enjoy on this very special occasion what we are about to present. Dylan Thomas's Under Milkwood. to begin at the beginning. It is spring, moonless night in the small town, starless and Bible black. The cobble streets silent and the hunched quarters and rabbits wood limping invisible down to the slow black, slow, Black, crow-black, fishing-boat-bobbing sea. The houses are blind as moles, though moles see fine tonight in the snouting velvet dingles. Or blind as Captain Cat, there in the muffled middle by the pump and the town clock, the shops in mourning, the welfare hall in widow's weeds, and all the people of the lulled and dumbfound town are sleeping now. Hush, the babies are sleeping. The farmers, the fishers, the tradesmen and pensioners, cobbler, school teacher, 
postman and publican, the undertaker and the fancy woman, drunkard, dressmaker, preacher, policeman, the web-foot cockle women, and the tidy wives. Young girls lie bedded soft or glide in their dreams with rings and trousseau, brides maided by glowworms down the aisles of the organ-playing wood. The boys are dreaming wicked or of the bucking ranches of the night and the jolly rogered sea. And the anthracite statues of the horses sleep in the fields, and the cows in the byres, and the dogs in the wet-nosed yards, and the cats nap in the slant corners, or lope sly, streaking and needling on the one cloud of the roofs. You can hear the dew falling, and the hushed town. Only your eyes are unclosed to see the black and folded town fast and slow asleep. And you alone can hear the invisible starfall, the darkest before dawn, minutely dew-grazed stir of the black dab-filled sea, where the Arethusa, the curlew and the skylark Zanzibar, Rhiannon, the rover, the cormorant, and the star of Wales tilt and ride. Listen. It is night moving in the streets. The processional, salt-slow, musical wind in Coronation Street and Cockle Row. It is the grass growing on Hlaregib Hill. Dewfall, starfall, the sleep of birds in Milkwood. Listen, it is night in the chill squat chapel, hymning in bonnet and brooch and bombazine black, butterfly choker and bootlace bow, coughing like nanny goats, sucking mintos, forty winking hallelujah. Night in the four-ale, quiet as a domino, in Ocky Milkman's loft, like a mouse with gloves, in Diebred's bakery, flying like black flour, it is tonight in Donkey Street, trotting, silent, with seaweed on its hooves, along the cockled cobbles, past curtained fern pot, text and trinket, harmonium, holy dresser, watercolours done by hand, china dog and rosy tin tea caddy. It is night neddying among the snuggeries of babies. Look, it is night dumbly royally winding through the coronation cherry trees, going through the graveyard of Bethesda with winds gloved and folded and dew-doffed, tumbling by the sailors' arms. Time passes. Listen. Time passes. Come closer now. Only you can hear the houses sleeping in the streets in the slow, deep, salt and silent, black, bandaged night. Only you can see in the blinded bedrooms the comms and petticoats over the chairs, the jugs and basins, the glasses of teeth, 
Thou shalt not on the wall and the yellowing dicky bird watching pictures of the dead. Only you can hear and see behind the eyes of the sleepers, the movements and countries and mazes and colours and dismays and rainbows and tunes and wishes and flight and fall and despairs and big seas of their dreams. From where you are, you can hear their dreams. Captain Cat, the retired blind sea captain, asleep in his bunk in the sea-shelled, shipping-bottled, ship-shaped best cabin of Schooner House, dreams of never such seas as any that swamped the decks of his SS Kidwelly bellying over the bedclothes and jellyfish slippery, sucking him down salt-deep into the davy dark, where the fish come biting out and nibble him down to his wishbone, and the long-drowned nuzzle up to him. Remember me, Captain? You were dancing Williams. I lost my step in Nantucket. You see me, Captain, the white bone talking. I'm Tom Fred, the donkey man. We shared the same girl once. Her name was Mrs. Probert. Rosie Probert, 33 Duck Lane. Come on up, boys. I'm dead. Hold me, Captain. I'm Jonah Jarvis. Come to a bad end. Very enjoyable. Alfred Pomeroy Jones, sea lawyer, born in mumbles, sung like a linnet, crowned you with a flagon. Tattooed with mermaids, thirst like a dredger, died of blisters. The skull that your Ural is. Curly Bevan, tell my auntie it was me that pawned the Ormolu clock. Aye, aye, Curly. Tell my missus, no, I never. I never done what she said, I never. Yes, they did. And who brings coconuts and shawls and parrots to my Gwen now? How's it above? Is there rum and lava bread? Bosoms and robins. Concertinas. Ebenezer's bell. Fighting and onions. And sparrows and daisies. Tiddlers in a jam jar. Buttermilk and whippets. Rockabye baby. Washing on the line. And all girls in the snug. How's the tenors in Dowlice? Who milks the cows in my squin? When she smiles, is there dimples? What's the smell of parsley? Oh, my dead dears. From where you are, you can hear in Cockle Row in the spring moonless night, Miss Price, dressmaker and sweet shopkeeper, dream of her lover. Tall as the town clock tower, Samson syrup gold maned, whacking thighed and piping hot, thunderbolt based and barnacle breasted, flailing up the cockles with his eyes like blow lamps, and scooping low over her lonely, Loving hot water bottled body. Mervanui Price. Mr. Mog Edward. I am a draper mad with love. I love you more than all the flannelette and calico, candlewick, dimity, crash and merino, tusso, creton, crepon, muslin, poplin, ticking, and twill in the whole cloth hall of the world. <laughs> I have come to take you away to my emporium on the hill where the change hums on wires. Throw away your little bed socks and your Welsh wool knitted jacket. I will warm the sheets like an electric toaster. 
I will lie by your side like the Sunday roast. I will knit you a wallet of forget-me-not blue for the money to be comfy. I will warm your heart by the fire so that you can slip it in under your vest when the shop is closed. Mavanui, Mavanui, before the mice gnaw at your bottom drawer, will you say... Yes, Mog, yes, Mog, yes, yes, yes. And all the bells of the tills of the town shall ring for our wedding. Come now. Drift up the dark, come up the drifting sea-dark street now, in the dark night, seesawing like the sea, to the Bible-black airless attic over Jack Black, the cobbler's shop, where alone and savagely Jack Black sleeps in a nightshirt tied to his ankles with elastic and dreams of chasing the naughty couples down the grass-green gooseberry double bed of the wood, Flogging the tosspots in the spit and sawdust, driving out the bare, bold girls from the sixpenny hops of his nightmares. Achavi! Achavi! <laughs> Evans the Death, the Undertaker, laughs high and aloud in his sleep and curls up his toes as he sees, upon waking fifty years ago, snow lie deep on the goose field behind the sleeping house, and he runs out into the field where his mother is making Welsh cakes in the snow, and steals a fistful of snowflakes and currants, and climbs back to bed to eat them cold and sweet under the warm white clothes, while his mother dances in the snow kitchen, crying out for her lost currants. And in the little pink-eyed cottage next to the undertaker's, lie alone the seventeen snoring gentle stone of Mr. Waldo, rabbit catcher, barber, herbalist, cat doctor, quack. <laughs> his fat pink hands, palms up over the edge of the patchwork quilt, his black boots neat and tidy in the washing basin, his bowler on a nail above the bed, a milk stout and a slice of cold bread pudding under the pillow. And dripping in the dark, he dreams of... This little piggy went to market. This little piggy stayed at home. This little piggy had roast beef. This little piggy had none. And this little piggy went... Wee, 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 wee. All the way home too. Waldo? Waldo! Yes, Blodwin, love? Oh, what'll the neighbours say? What'll the neighbours? Poor Mrs. Waldo. What she puts up with. Never should have married. If she didn't have to. Same as a mother. There's husband for him. Bad as his father. And you know where he ended. Up in the asylum. Crying for his ma. Every Saturday. He hasn't got a leg. And carrying on. With that Mrs. Beatty Morris. Up in the quarry. And seen her baby. It's got his nose. Oh, it makes my heart bleed. What he'll do for drink. He sold the pianola. And her sewing machine. Falling in the gutter. Talking to the lamppost. Using language. Singing in the W. Poor Mrs. Waldo. Oh, Waldo, Waldo. Hush, love, hush. I'm widower Waldo now. Waldo, Waldo. Yes.
so am I. Oh, what'll the neighbours say? What'll the neighbours? Black as a chimbley. Ringing doorbells. Breaking windows. Making mud pies. Stealing currants. Chalking words. Saw him in the bushes. Playing muchins. Send him to bed without any supper. Give him cynopods and lock him in the dark. Off to the reformatory. Off to the reformatory. Learn him with a slipper on his BTM. Waldo, Waldo, what you doing with our Matty? Give us a kiss, Matty Richards. Give us a penny, then. I only got a halfpenny. Lips is a penny. Will you take this woman, Matty Richards? Chelsea Prothero. Effie Bevan. Lil the glue pot. Mrs. Flusher. Lodwin Bowen. To be your awful wedded wife. No. 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 Now, in her iceberg white, holily laundered crinoline nightgown, under virtuous polar sheets, in her spruced and scoured, dustifying bedroom, in trig and trim bay view, a house for paying guests at the top of the town, Mrs. Ogmore Pritchard, widow, twice, of Mr. Ogmore, linoleum, retired, and Mr. Pritchard, failed bookmaker, who, maddened by besoming, swabbing and scrubbing, the voice of the vacuum cleaner and the fumes of polish, ironically swallowed disinfectant. <laughs> Fidgets in her rinsed sleep, wakes in a dream, and nudges in the ribs, dead, Mr. Ogmore, dead, Mr. Pritchard, ghostly on either side. Mr. Ogmore? Mr. Pritchard, it is time to inhale your balsam. Oh, Mrs. Ogmore. Oh, Mrs. Pritchard. Soon it will be time to get up. Tell me your tasks in order. I must put my pyjamas in the drawer marked pyjamas. <laughs> I must take my cold bath, which is good for me. I must wear my flannel band to ward off sciatica. I must dress behind the curtain and put on my apron. I must blow my nose. In the garden, if you please. In a piece of tissue paper, which I afterwards burn. I must take my salts, which are nature's friend. I must boil the drinking water because of germs. I must make my herb tea, which is free from tannin. And have a charcoal biscuit, which is good for me. I may smoke one pipe of asthma mixture. In the woodshed, if you please. And dust the parlour and spray the canary. I must put on rubber gloves and search the peak for fleas. I must dust the blinds and then I must raise them. And before you let the sun in, mind it wipes its shoes. In Butcher Bynans, Gossamer Bynan, daughter, schoolteacher, dreaming deep, daintily ferrets under a fluttering hummock of chicken's feathers, in a slaughterhouse that has chintz curtains and a three-piece suite and finds, with no surprise, a small, rough, ready man with a bushy tail, winking in a paper carrier. At last, my love! Sighs Gossamer Bynan, and the bushy tail wags, rude and ginger. Help! Cries Organ Morgan, the organist, in his dream. There is perturbation and music in Coronation Street. All the spouses are honking like geese and the babies singing opera. P.C. Attila Reese has got his truncheon out and is playing cadenzas by the pump. The cows from Sunday Meadow ring like reindeer. And on the roof of Handel Villa, see the women's welfare hoofing, bloomered in the moon. 
At the sea end of town, Mr. and Mrs. Floyd, the cocklers, are sleeping as quiet as death, side by wrinkled side, toothless, salt and brown, like two old kippers in a box. <laughs> and high above, in Salt Lake Farm, Mr. Utah Watkins counts all night the wife-faced sheep as they leap the fences on the hill, smiling and knitting and bleating, just like Mrs. Utah Watkins. 34, 35, 36, uh, 48, uh, 89. Knit one, slip one, knit two together, pass the slip stitch over. <laughs> Oki Milkman, drowned asleep in Cockle Street, is emptying his churns into the Dewey River. Regardless of expense. And weeping like a funeral. Cherry Owen, next door, lifts a tankard to his lips, but nothing flows out of it. He shakes the tankard. It turns into a fish. He drinks the fish. P.C. Attila Reese. Lumps out of bed, dead to the dark, and still foghorning, and drags out his helmet from under the bed. <laughs> but deep in the backyard lockup of his sleep, a mean voice murmurs. Oh, you'll be sorry for this in the morning. And he heave holes back to bed. His helmet swashes in the dark. Willy-nilly, postman, asleep up street, walks 14 miles to deliver the post, as he does every day of the night, and rat-a-tats hard and sharp on Mrs. Willy-nilly. Don't spank me, please, teacher, whimpers his wife at his side. But every night of her married life, she has been late for school. Sinbad Sailors, over the taproom of the Sailor's Arms, hugs his damp pillow, whose secret name is... Gossamer Bynan. A mogul catches Lily Smalls in the washhouse. Oh, you old mogul! Mrs. Rose Cottage's eldest, Mai, peels off her pink and white skin in a furnace, in a tower, in a cave, in a waterfall, in a wood, and waits there raw as an onion, for Mr. Wright to leap up the burning, tall, hollow splashes of leaves like a brilliantined trout. Call me Dolores, like they do in the stories. Alone until she dies, Bessie Bighead, hired help, born in the workhouse smelling of the cowshed, snores base and gruff on a couch of straw in a loft in Salt Lake Farm and picks a posy of daisies in Sunday Meadow to put on the grave of Goma Owen, who kissed her once by the pigsty when she wasn't looking, and never kissed her again, although she was looking all the time. <laughs> and the inspectors of cruelty fly down into Mrs. Butcher Bynan's dream to persecute Mr. Bynan for selling whole meat, dog's eyes, man chop. Mr. Bynan, in butcher's bloodied apron, spring heels down Coronation Street, a finger, not his own, in his mouth. <laughs> Straight-faced in his cunning sleep, he pulls the legs of his dreams and... Hunting on pigback, 
shoots down the wild giblets. Help! My foxy darling. Now, behind the eyes and secrets of the dreamers in the streets rock to sleep by the sea, see the tidbits and topsy-turvies, bobs and button-tops, bags and bones, ash and rind and dandruff and nail-parings, saliva and snowflakes and molted feathers of dreams, the wrecks and sprats and shells and fish-bones, whale-juice and moonshine and small salt-fry dished up by the hidden sea. The owls are hunting. Look. Over Bethesda gravestones, one hoots and swoops and catches a mouse by Hannah Rees, beloved wife. And in Coronation Street, which you alone can see, it is so dark under the chapel in the skies. The Reverend Eli Jenkins, poet, preacher, turns in his deep towards dawn sleep and dreams of Eisteddfordai. He intricately rhymes to the music of Cruth and Pibgorn all night long in his druid seedy nighty in a beer tent black with parks. Mr. Pugh, schoolmaster, fast asleep, pretends to be sleeping, spies foxy round the droop of his nightcap and, pst, whistles up murder. Mrs. Organ Morgan, groceress, coiled grey like a dormouse, her paws to her ears, conjures... Silence! She sleeps very dulcet in a cove of wool, and trumpeting Organ Morgan at her side snores no louder than a spider. Marianne, the sailors, dreams of... The Garden of Eden. She comes in her smock frock and clogs. Away from the cool, scrubbed, cobbled kitchen with the Sunday school pictures on the whitewashed wall and the farmer's almanac hung above the settle and the sides of bacon on the ceiling hooks and goes down the cockle-shelled paths of that apple pie kitchen garden, ducking under the jippo's clothes pegs, catching her apron on the black currant bushes, past bean rows and onion bed and tomatoes ripening on the wall towards the old man playing the harmonium in the orchard and sits down on the grass at his side and shells the green peas that grow up through the lap of her frock that brushes the dew. In Donkey Street, so furred with sleep, dye bread, Polygata, no good boyo, and Lord Cutglass sigh before the dawn that is about to be, and dream of Turkish girls, <laughs> horizontal, babies, nothing, tick-tock, 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 time passes, listen, time passes. An owl flies home past Bethesda to a chapel in an oak, and the dawn inches up. Stand on this hill. This is Hlregib Hill, old as the hills, 
high, cool, and green. And from this small circle of stones, made not by Druids, but by Mrs. Bynan's Billy, you can see all the town below you, sleeping in the first of the dawn. You can hear the lovesick wood pigeons mooning in bed. A dog barks in his sleep, farmyards away. The town ripples like a lake in the waking haze. Less than 500 souls inhabit the three quaint streets and the few narrow by-lanes and scattered farmsteads that constitute this small, decaying watering place, which may indeed be called a backwater of life, without disrespect to its natives, who possess to this day a salty individuality of their own. The main street, Coronation Street, consists for the most part of humble, two-storied houses, many of which attempt to achieve some measure of gaiety by prinking themselves out in crude colours and by the liberal use of pinkwash, though there are remaining a few 18th-century houses of more pretension, if on the whole in a sad state of disrepair. Though there is little to attract the hill climber, the health seeker, the sportsman, or the weekending motorist, the contemplative may, if sufficiently attracted to spare it some leisurely hours, find in its cobbled streets and its little fishing harbour, in its several curious customs, and in the conversation of its local characters, some of that picturesque sense of the past so frequently lacking in towns and villages which have kept more abreast of the times. <laughs> The river Douai is said to abound in trout, but is much poached. The one place of worship with its neglected graveyard is of uh, no architectural interest. <laughs> the principality of the sky lightens now over our green hill into spring morning, larked and crowed and belling. Who pulls the town hall bell rope but blind Captain Cat? One by one, the sleepers are wrung out of sleep this one morning as every morning. And soon, you shall see the chimneys slow up flying snow as Captain Cat, in sailor's cap and sea boots, announces today with his loud Get out of bed, Bell. The Reverend Eli Jenkins in Bethesda House gropes out of bed into his preacher's black, combs back his bard's white hair, forgets to wash, pads barefoot downstairs, opens the front door, stands in the doorway, and looking out at the day and up at the eternal hill, and hearing the sea break and the gab of birds, remembers his own verses and tells them softly to empty Coronation Street that is rising and raising its blinds. Oh, dear Gualia, I know there are towns lovelier than ours and fairer hills and loftier far and groves more full of flowers and boskier woods, more blithe with spring, and bright with birds adorning, 
and sweeter bards than I to sing their praise this beauteous morning. By Cader Idris, tempest-torn, or Moila Oizva's glory, Carnel Llewellyn, beauty born, Plin Limon, old in story, by mountains where King Arthur dreams, by Penmine Mower defiant, Llaregib Hill, a mole hill seems, a pygmy to a giant. By Southey, Senny, Dovey, Dee, Edu, Eden, Aled, all, Taff and Towie, broad and free, Lovenant with its waterfall, Clyrwen, Cledthai, Dillas, Dor, Ely, Gwili, Ogur, Nedd, Small is our river Dewi, Lord, a baby, on a rushy bed, by Carreg Kennen, king of time, our heron head is only a bit of stone with seaweed spread, where gulls come to be lonely. <laughs> a tiny dingle is milkwood by Golden Grove neath Grongar, but let me choose, and oh, I should love all my life and longer to stroll among our trees and stray in Guzgog Lane on Donkey Down and hear the Dewey sing all day and never, never leave the town. The Reverend Jenkins closes the front door. His morning service is over. <laughs> now, woken at last by the out-of-bed sleepy head, Polly put the kettle on town hall bell. Lily Smalls, Mrs. Bynan's treasure, comes downstairs from a dream of royalty who all night long went larking with her, full of sauce in the milkwood dark, and puts the kettle on the primus ring in Mrs. Bynan's kitchen and looks at herself in Mr. Bynan's shaving glass over the sink and sees... Oh, there's a face. Where do you get that air from? Got it from an old tomcat. Give it back then, love. Oh, there's a pun. Where do you get that nose from, Lily? Got it from my father, silly. You've got it on upside down. <laughs> oh, there's a conk. Look at your complexion. Oh, no. You look. Needs a bit of makeup. Needs a veil. Oh, there's glamour. Where you get that smile, Lil? Never you mind, girl. Nobody loves you. That's what you think. Who is it loves you? Shan't tell. Come on, Lily. Cross your heart, then. Cross my heart. And very softly, her lips almost touching her reflection, she breathes the name and clouds the shaving glass. Lily! Yes, Mum? Where's my tea, girl? Where do you think? In the cat box? <laughs> Coming up, Mum! Mr. Pugh, in the schoolhouse opposite, takes up the morning tea to Mrs. Pugh and whispers on the stairs, Here's your arsenic, dear. <laughs> and your weed-killer biscuit. 
I've throttled your parakeet. <laughs> I've spat in the vases. I've put cheese in the mouse holes. Here's your... Nice tea, dear. Too much sugar? You haven't tasted it yet, dear. Too much milk, then. Has Mr. Jenkins said his poetry? Yes, dear. Then it's time to get up. Give me my glasses. No, not my reading glasses. I want to look out. I want to see... Lily Small's the treasure, down on her red knees, washing the front step. She's tucked her dress in her bloomers. Oh, the baggage. <laughs> PC Attila Reese, Oxbroad, barge-booted, stomping out of handcuff house in a heavy beef-red huff, black-browed under his damp helmet. <laughs> He's going to arrest Polly Garter, mark my words. What for, my dear? For having babies. And lumbering down towards the strand to see that the sea is still there. Marianne the sailors, opening her bedroom window above the taproom and calling out to the heavens. I'm 85 years, three months, and a day. <laughs> I will say this for a... She never makes a mistake. Organ Morgan at his bedroom window playing chords on the sill to the morning fishwife gulls who, heckling over Donkey Street, observe... Me, dye bread, hurrying to the bakery, pushing in my shirt tails, buttoning my waistcoat. Ping, goes a button. Why can't they sew them? No time for breakfast? Nothing for breakfast. There's wives for you. Me, Mrs. Dye bread one, capped and shawled and no old corset. Nice to be comfy, nice to be nice. Clogging on the cobbles to stir up a neighbour. Oh, Mrs Sarah, can you spare a loaf, love? Dye bread, forgot the bread. There's a lovely morning. How's your boils this morning? Isn't that good news now? It's a change to sit down. Ta, Mrs Sarah. Me, Mrs Dye bread too. Gypsy to kill in a silky scarlet petticoat above my knees. Dirty, pretty knees. See my body through my petticoat, brown as a berry. High heel shoes with one heel missing. Tortoiseshell comb in my bright, black, slinky hair. Nothing else at all on but a dab of scent. Lolling gaudy at the doorway. Tell your fortune in the tea leaves. Scowling at the sunshine, lighting up my pipe. Me, Lord Cutglass. In an old frock coat belonged to Eli Jenkins and a pair of postman's trousers from Bethesda Jumble, running out of doors to empty slops. Mind there, Rover? And then running in again. Tick-tock. Me, no good boy -o. Up to no good in a wash house. <laughs> Me, Miss Price, in my pretty print house coat, deft at the clothesline, natty as a Jenny Wren, then pit-pat back to my egg in its cosy, my crisp toast fingers, my homemade plum and butter pat. Me, Polly Garter, under the washing line, giving the breast in the garden to my bonny new baby. Nothing grows in our garden, only washing. And babies. <laughs> and where's their fathers live, my love? Over the hills and far away. You look it up at me now. I know what you're thinking, you poor little milky creature. You're thinking, you're no better than you should be, Polly, and that's good enough for me. Oh, isn't life a terrible thing? 
Thank God. Now, frying pans spit, kettles and cats purr in the kitchens, the town smells of seaweed and breakfast. All the way down from Bayview, where Mrs. Ogmore Pritchard in smock and turban, big besom to engage the dust, picks at her starchless bread and sips lemon rind tea, to Bottom Cottage, where Mr. Waldo in bowler and bib gobbles his bubble and squeak and kippers and swigs from the sauce bottle. Marianne the Sailors. Praises the Lord who made porridge. Mr. Pugh. Remembers ground glass as he juggles his omelette. <laughs> Mrs. Pugh. Nags the salt cellar. Willy-nilly postman. Downs his last bucket of black brackish tea and rumbles out bandy to the clucking back where the hens twitch and grieve for their tea-soaked sops. Mrs. Willy-nilly, full of tea to her double-chinned brim, broods and bubbles over a cavern of kettles on the hissing hot range, always ready to steam open the mail. The Reverend Eli Jenkins finds a rhyme and dips his pen in his cocoa. Lord Cutglass in his ticking kitchen scampers from clock to clock, a bunch of clock keys in one hand and a fish head in the other. Captain Cat in his galley. Blind and fine-fingered, savours his sea fry. Mr and Mrs Cherry Owen in their Donkey Street room that is bedroom, parlour, kitchen and scullery sit down to last night's supper of onions boiled in their overcoats and broth of spuds and bacon rind and leeks and bones. See that smudge on the wall by the picture of Auntie Blossom? That's where you threw the sago. <laughs> you only missed me by an inch. I always miss Auntie Blossom, too. Remember last night? In you reeled, my boy, as drunk as a deacon, with a big wet bucket and a fish frail full of stout. And you looked at me and you said, God has come home, you said. <laughs> and then over the bucket you went, sprawling <clears throat> and bawling, and the floor was all flagons and eels. Was I wounded? And then you took off your trousers and you said, does anybody want to fight? Oh, you old baboon. Give us a kiss. And then you sang Aberystwyth, tenor and bass. I always sing Aberystwyth. And then you did a little dance on the table. I did. Drop dead. And then what did I do? Then you cried like a baby and said you were a poor drunk orphan with nowhere to go but the grave. And what did I do next, my dear? Then you danced on the table all over again and said you were King Solomon Owen and I was your Mrs Sheba. And then? And then I got you into bed and you breathed all night like a brewery. <laughs> From Bynan Butchers in Coronation Street, the smell of fried liver sidles out with onions on its breath. And listen, in the dark breakfast room behind the shop, Mr. and Mrs. Bynan, waited upon by their treasure, enjoy between bites their every morning hullabaloo. And Mrs. Bynan slips the grisly bits under the tasseled tablecloth to her fat cat. She likes the liver best. She ought to do best. It's her brother's. <gasps> Do you hear that, Lily? 
Yes, ma'am. We're eating puss cats. Yes, ma'am. Oh, you cat butcher. It was doctored, mind. What's that got to do with it? Yesterday we had mole. Oh, Lily, Lily! Monday otter, Tuesday shrews. Oh! Go on, Mrs. Bynan, he's the biggest liar in town. Don't you dare say that about Mr. Bynan. Everybody knows it, ma'am. Mr. Bynan never tells a lie. Do you, Ben? No, Bess. <laughs> and now I'm going out after the corgis with my little cleaver. <gasps> Lily, Lily! Up the street in the sailor's arms. Sinbad Sailors, grandson of Marianne the Sailors, draws a pint in the sunlit bar. The ship's clock in the bar says half past eleven. Half past eleven is opening time. The hands of the clock have stayed still at half past eleven <laughs> for fifty years. It's always opening time in the sailor's arms. Yes, to me, Sinbad. All over the town, babies and old men are cleaned and put into their broken prams and wheeled onto the sunlit cockled cobbles or out into the backyards under the dancing vests and left. A baby cries. <laughs> I want my pipe and he wants his bottle. Noses are wiped, heads picked, hair combed, paws scrubbed, ears boxed, and the children shrilled off to school. Fishermen grumble to their nets. No good boyo goes out in the dinghy Zanzibar, ships the oars, drifts slowly in the dab-filled bay, lying on his back in the unbailed water among crab's legs and tangled lines, looks up at the spring sky. I don't know who's up there, and I don't care. <laughs> he turns his head and looks up at Lloregib Hill and sees among green lathered trees the white houses of the strewn away farms where farm boys whistle, dogs shout, cows low, but all too far away for him or you to hear. And in the town, the shops squeak open. Mr. Edwards, in butterfly collar and straw hat at the doorway of Manchester House, measures with his eye the dawdlers by for striped flannel shirts and shrouds and flowery blouses and bellows to himself in the darkness behind his eye. I love Miss Price. Syrup is sold in the post office. A car drives to market full of fowls and a farmer. Milk churns stand at Coronation Corner like short silver policemen. And sitting at the open window of Schooner House, blind Captain Cat hears all the mourning of the town. He hears the voices of children and the noise of children's feet on the cobbles. Maggie Richards, Ricky Reese, Tommy Powell, our Sal, little Gerwine, Billy Swansea with the dog's voice, one of Mr. Waldo's, Nasty Humphrey, Jackie with a sniff, where's Dickie's Albie and the boys from Tea Pant? Perhaps they've got the rash again. <laughs> Somebody's hit Maggie Richards. Two to one, it's Billy Swansea. 
Never trust a boy who barks. <laughs> right again, that's Billy. And the children's voices cry away. That's willy-nilly, knocking at Bayview, rat-a-tat, very soft. The knocker's got a kid glove on. Who sent a letter to Mrs. Ogmore Pritchard? Careful now. She swabs the front glassy every steps like a bar of soap. Mind your size twelves is. That's how that old Bessie would beeswax the lawn to make the birds slip. Morning, Mrs. Ogmore Pritchard. Good morning, postman. Here's a letter for you with stamped and addressed envelope enclosed all the way from Bilth Wells. A gentleman wants to study birds and can he have accommodation for two weeks and a bath? Vegetarian. No. Oh, you wouldn't know he was in the house, Mrs. Ogmore Pritchard. He'd be out at the mornings at the bang of dawn with his bag of breadcrumbs and his little telescope. And come home at all hours covered with feathers. I don't want persons in my nice clean rooms breathing all over the chairs. Oh, cross my heart, he won't breathe. And putting their feet on my carpets and sneezing on my china and sleeping in my sheets. He only wants a single bed, Mrs. Ogmore Pritchard. <laughs> and back she goes to the kitchen to polish the potatoes. <laughs> Captain Cat hears willy-nilly's feet heavy on the distant cobbles. One, two, three, four, five. That's Mrs. Rose Cottage. What's today? Today she gets the letter from her sister in Gorslas. How's the twins' teeth? He's stopping at schoolhouse. Morning, Mrs. Pooh. Mrs. Ogmore Pritchard won't have a gentleman in from Pilthwells because he'll sleep in her sheets. <laughs> Mrs. Rose Cottage's sister in Gorslice's twins have got to have them out. Give me the parcel. It's for Mr. Pooh. Mrs. Pooh? Never you mind what's inside it. Um, a book called Lives of the Great Poisoners. <laughs> That's Manchester House. Morning, Mr. Edwards. Very small news. Mrs. Ogmore Pritchard won't have birds in the house, and Mr. Pooh's bought a book now on how to do in Mrs. Pooh. Have you got a letter from her? Miss Price loves you with all her heart. Smelling of lavender today. She's down to the last of the elderflower wine, but the quince jam's bearing up, and she's knitting roses on the doilies. Last week, she sold three jars of boiled sweets, pound of humbugs, half a box of jelly babies, and six coloured photos of Chlaragib. Yours forever, then 21 X's. Oh, willy-nilly, she's a ruby. Here's my letter. Put it into her hands now. Down the street comes willy-nilly, and Captain Cat hears other steps approaching. Mr. Waldo hurrying to the sailor's arms. Paint a stout with an egg in it. There's a letter for him. It's another paternity summons, Mr. Waldo. <laughs> the quick footsteps hurry on along the cobbles and up three steps to the sailor's arms. Quick, Simbad, paint a stout and no egg in. People are moving now up and down the cobbled street. All the women are out this morning, in the sun, you can tell it's spring. There goes Mrs. Cherry. You can tell her by her trotters. Off she trots, new as a daisy. Who's that talking by the pump? 
Mrs. Floyd and Boyo talking flatfish. What can you talk about flatfish? <laughs> That's Mrs. Dye Red One, waltzing up the street like a jelly. Every time she shakes, it slap, slap, slap. <laughs> Who's that? Mrs. Butcher Bynan with her pet black cat. It follows her everywhere, meow and all. There goes Mrs. 23, important. The sun gets up and goes down in her dewlap. When she shuts her eyes, it's night. <laughs> High heels now, in the morning too. Mrs. Rose Cottage's eldest, my, 17 and never been kissed, ho ho. Going young and milking under my window to the field with the nanny goats. She reminds me all the way. Can't hear what the women are gathering round the pump. Same as ever. Who's having a baby? Who's blacked? Who's I? Seen Polly Garter giving her belly an airing? There should be a law. Seen Mrs. Bynan's new mauve jumper? It's her old grey jumper died. Who's dead? Who's dying? There's a lovely day. Oh, the cost of soap flakes. Morgan Morgan said it early. You can tell it's spring. And he hears the noise of milk cans. Hockey milkman on his round? I will say this, his milk's as fresh as the dew. Half dew it is. <laughs> Snuffle on, Hockey, watering the town. Somebody's coming. Now the voices round the pump can see somebody coming. Hush. There's a hush. You can tell by the noise of the hush, it's Polly Garter. <laughs> Hello, Polly. Who's there? Me, love. That's Polly Garter. Hello, Polly, my love. Can you hear the dumb goose hiss of the wives as they huddle and peck or flounce at a waddle away? Who cuddled you when? Which of their gandering hubbies moaned in milkwood for your naughty mothering arms and body like a wardrobe, love? Scrub the floors of the welfare hall for the mother's union social dance. Your one mother won't wriggle her roly-poly bum or pat her fat little buttery foot in that wedding-ringed holy tonight. Though the waltzing breadwinners snatched from the cosy smoke of the sailor's arms will grizzle and mope. Too late, cock. Too late. For the town's half over with its morning. The morning's busy as bees. There's the clip-clop of horses on the sun-honeyed cobbles of the humming streets, hammering of horseshoes, gobble, quack, and cackle, tom-tit twitter from the bird-ounced boughs, braying on donkey down. Bread is baking, pigs are grunting, chop goes the butcher, milk churns bell, tills ring, sheep cough, dogs shout, saws sing, Oh, the spring whinny and morning moo from the clog-dancing farms. The gulls gab and rabble on the boat-bobbing river and sea, and the cockles bubbling in the sand, scamper of sandalings. Curlew cry, crow caw, pigeon coo, clock strike, bull bellow, and the ragged gabble of the bear garden school as the women scratch and babble in Mrs. Organ's Morgan's general shop, where everything is sold. Custard, buckets, henna, rat 
rat traps, shrimp nets, sugar, stamps, confetti, paraffin, hatchets, whistles. Mrs. Ogmore Pritchard. Laddie da. Got a man in Bilthwells. And he got a little telescope to look at birds. Willy nilly set. Remember her first husband? He didn't need a telescope. He looked at them undressing through the keyhole. And he used to shout, Tally ho! But Mr. Ogmore was a proper gentleman. Even though he hanged his collie. See Mrs. Butcherbinen. She said Butcherbinen put dogs in the mincer. Go on, he's pulling a leg. Now don't you dare tell her that, there's a dear. Or she'll think he's trying to pull it off and eat it. Oh, there's a nasty lot, Livia, when you come to think. <laughs> Look at that no-good boy or now. Too lazy to wipe his snout. And going out fishing every day and all he ever brought back was a Mrs. Samuels. Been in the water a week. I'd look at Ocky Milkman's wife that nobody's ever seen. He keeps her in the cupboard with the empties. I think of dye bread with two wives. One for the daytime, one for the night. Men are brutes on the quiet. And how's Organ Morgan, Mrs. Morgan? You look deadbeat. It's organ, organ, all the time with him. Up every night until midnight, playing the organ. Oh, I'm a martyr to music. Outside, the sun springs down on the rough and tumbling town. It runs through the hedges of Guzgog Lane, cuffing the birds to sing. Spring whips green down Cockle Row, and the shells ring out. Hlaregib, this snip of a morning, is wild fruit and warm. The streets, fields, sands, and waters springing in the young sun. Evans the death presses hard with black gloves on the coffin of his breast in case his heart jumps out. Where's your dignity? Lie down. Spring stirs Gossamer Bynan's schoolmistress like a spoon. Oh, what can I do? I'll never be refined if I twitch. Spring this strong morning foams in a flame in Jack Black as he cobbles a high-heeled shoe for Mrs. Diebred too, the gypsy but he hammers it sternly out. There is no leg belonging to the foot that belongs to this shoe. <laughs> the sun and the green breeze ship Captain Cat's sea memory again. No, I'll take the rattle by God. Who's Captain here? Pallyhoo jig jig, madam. Marianne the sailors says very softly to herself as she looks out at Laregib Hill from the bedroom where she was born. It is spring in Llaregib, in the sun, in my old age, and this is the chosen land. And in willy-nilly the postman's dark and sizzling, damp, tea-coated, misty, pygmy kitchen, where the spitting cat kettles throb and hop on the range, Mrs. Willy-Nilly steams open Mr. Mogg Edwards' letter to Miss Mavanwi Price <laughs> and reads it aloud to Willy-Nilly by the squint of the spring sun through the one sealed window running with tears while the drugged, bedraggled hens at the back door whimper and snivel for the licorice bog-black tea. From Manchester House, Laregib. Sole prop, Mr. Mogg Edwards, late of Tull. Linden Draper, Haberdasher, Master Taylor, Costumier. For West End negligee, lingerie, tea gowns, evening dress, trousseaus, layette. Also ready to wear for all occasions. Economical outfitting for agricultural employment, our speciality, wardrobes bought. Among our satisfied customers, ministers of religion and JPs, fittings by appointment. Advertising weekly in the Tuth Bugle. 
Beloved Mavanoi Price, my bride in heaven. I love you until death do us part, and then we shall be together forever and ever. A new parcel of ribbons has come from Carmarthen today, all the colours in the rainbow. I wish I could tie a ribbon in your hair, a white one, but it cannot be. I dreamed last night you were all dripping wet, and you sat on my lap as the Reverend Jenkins went down the street. I see you got a mermaid in your lap, he said, and he lifted his hat. He is a proper Christian. <laughs> Not like Cherry Owen, who said you should have thrown her back, he said. <laughs> Business is very poorly. Polly Garter bought two garters with roses, but she never got stocking, so what is the use, I say? Mr. Waldo tried to sell me a woman's nighty outsize. He said he found it, and we know where. <laughs> I sold a packet of pins to Tom the Sailors to pick his teeth. If this goes on, I shall be in the workhouse. My heart is in your bosom, and yours is in mine. God be with you always, Mavanui Price, and keep you lovely for me in his heavenly mansion. I must stop now and remain your eternal Mog Edwards. And then a little message with a rubber stamp. Shop at Mogs. <laughs> and willy-nilly, rumbling, jockeys out again to the three-seated shack called the House of Commons in the back where the hens weep and sees in sudden spring shine herring gulls heckling down to the harbour where the fishermen spit and prop the morning up, and I, the fishy sea, smooth to the sea's end as it lulls in blue. Green and gold money, tobacco, tinned salmon, hats with feathers, pots of fish paste, warmth for the winter to be, weave and leap in it, rich and slippery in the flash and shapes of fishes through the cold sea streets. But with lazy blue eyes, the fishermen gaze at that milk-mild whispering water with no ruck or ripple, as though it blew great guns and serpents and typhooned the town. Too rough for fishing today. And they thank God and gobbled a gull for luck. And moss slow and silent make their way uphill from the still, still sea towards the sailors' arms as the children spank and scamper, rough and singing out of school into the draggle-tail yard. And Captain Cat, at his window, says soft to himself the words of their song. Johnny Crack and Flossie Snail kept their baby in a milking pail. Flossie Snail and Johnny Crack, one would pull it out and one would put it back. Oh, it's my turn now, said Flossie Snail, to take the baby from the milking pail. And it's my turn now, said Johnny Crack, to smack it on the head and put it back. <laughs> Johnny Crack and Flossie Snail kept their baby in the milking pail. One would put it back and one would pull it out, and all it had to drink was ale and stout. For Johnny Crack and Flossie Snail always used to say that stout and ale was good for a baby in a milking pail. 
music of the spheres is distinctly heard over Milkwood. It is the rustle of spring. A glee party sings in Bethesda graveyard, gay but muffled. Vegetables make love above the tenors, and dogs bark blue in the face. Mrs. Ogmore Pritchard belches in a teeny hanky and chases the sunlight with a fly whisk, but even she cannot drive out the spring. From one of her finger bowls, a primrose grows. Mrs. Dybred One and Mrs. Dybred Two are sitting outside their house in Donkey Lane, one darkly, one plumply blooming in the quick, dewy sun. Mrs. Dybred Two is looking into a crystal ball which she holds in the lap of her dirty scarlet petticoat, hard against her hard, dark thighs. Cross my palm with silver, out of our housekeeping money. Ah! What you see, lovey? I see a feather bed with three pillows on it. And a text above the bed. I can't read what it says. There's great clouds blowing. Now they have blown away. God is love, the text says. That's our bed. And now it's vanished. The sun's spinning like a top. Who's this coming out of the sun? It's a hairy little man with big pink lips. He got a wall eye. It's dye. It's dye bread. Shh. The feather bed's floating back. The little man's taking his boots off. He's pulling his shirt over his head. He's beating his chest with his fists. He's climbing into bed. Go on, go on. There's two women in bed. He looks at them both with his head cocked on one side. He's whistling through his teeth. Now, he grips his little arms round one of the women. Which one? Which one? I can't see anymore. <laughs> There's great clouds blowing again. Oh, the mean old clouds. The morning is all singing. The Reverend Eli Jenkins busy on his morning calls, stops outside the welfare hall to hear Polly Garter as she scrubs the floors for the Mother's Union dance tonight. I loved a man whose name was Tom. He was strong as a bear and two yards long. I loved a man whose name was Dick. He was big as a barrel and three feet thick. And I loved a man whose name was Harry, six feet tall and sweet as a cherry. But the one I loved best, awake or asleep, was little Willie Wee and his six feet deep. Oh, Tom, Dick and Harry were three fine men and I'll never have such loving again, but little Willie Wee, who took me on his knee, little Willie Weasel, 
is the man for me. Now men from every parish round run after me and roll me on the ground. But whenever I love another man back, Johnny from the hill or sailing Jack, I always think, as they do what they please, of Tom, Dick and Harry who were tall as trees. And most I think, when I'm by their side, of little Willy Wing, who downed and died. Oh, Tom, Dick and Harry were three fine men, and I'll never have such loving again. But little Willy Wee, who took me on his knee, little Willy Weasel is the man for me. Praise the Lord. <laughs> we are a musical nation. <laughs> And the Reverend Jenkins hurries on through the town to visit the sick with jelly and poems. The town's as full as a lovebird's egg. There goes the Reverend, says Mr. Waldo at the smoked herring brown window of the unwashed sailor's arms. With his brawly and his odes. Fill him up, Sinbad. I'm on the treacle today. The silent fishermen flush down their pints. Oh, Mr. Waldo, sighs Sinbad sailors. I dote on that gossamer binin'. Love sings the spring. The bedspring grass bounces under birds, bums, and lambs. And gossamer binin, schoolteacher, spoons stirred and quivering, teaches her slubberdegullion class. It was a lover and his lass with an A and an O and an A not you. Now, 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 your accents, children. It was a lover and his lass with a hey and a ho and a hey nonny no. Oh, Mr. Waldo, says Sinbad Sailors. She's a lady all over. And Mr. Waldo, who is thinking of a woman soft as Eve and sharp as sciatica to share his bread pudding bed, answers, No lady that I know is. And if only Grandma die, cross my heart, I'd go down on my knees, Mr. Waldo, and I'd say, Miss Gossamer, I'd say. When birds do sing, hey, ding-a-ding-a-ding, sweet lovers love the spring. Polly Garter sings still on her knees. Tom, Dick and Harry were three fine men, and I'll never have such ding-a-ding -ding. again. <laughs> and the morning school is over, and Captain Cat at his curtained schooner's porthole open to the spring sun tides, hears the naughty forfeiting children tumble and rhyme on the cobbles. When you call the boys, they make such a noise. Boys, 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 come along to me. Boys, 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 kiss Gwenny where she says, or give her a penny. Go on, Gwenny. Kiss me and goes Gog Lane, or give me a penny. What's your name? Billy. Kiss me in Goose Gog Lane, Billy, or give me a penny, silly. Gwenny, Gwenny, I kiss you in Goose Gog Lane, now I haven't got to give you a penny. Boys, 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 kiss Gwenny where she says, or give her a penny. Go on, Gwenny. Kiss me on Sir Eggie Pill, or give me a penny. What's your name? Johnny Cristo. Kiss me on Sir Eggie Pill, Johnny Cristo, or give me a penny, mister. Gwenny, Gwenny, I kiss you on Sir Eggie Hill, now I haven't got to give you a penny. Boys, 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 kiss Gwenny where she says, or give her a penny. Go on, Gwenny. Kiss me in Milkwood, or give me a penny. What's your name? 
Dicky. Kiss me in Milkwood, Dicky, or give me a penny quickly. Gwenny, Gwenny, I can't kiss you in Milkwood. Gwenny, ask him why. Why? Because my mother said I mustn't. Cowardy, cowardy, Castad, give Gwenny a penny. Give me a penny. Well, I haven't got any. Put him in the river, up to his liver. Quick, quick, dirty dick, beat him on the bum with a rhubarb stick. And the shrill girls giggle and master around him and squeal as they clutch and thrash. And he blubbers away downhill with his patched pants falling and his tear-splashed blush burns all the way as the triumphant bird-like sisters scream with buttons in their claws. And the bully brothers hoot after him his little nickname and his mother's shame and his father's wickedness with the loose, wild, barefoot women of the hovels of the hills. It all means nothing at all. And howling for his milky mum, for her cowl and buttermilk and cow breath and Welsh Cakes, and the fat birth-smelling bed and moonlit kitchen of her arms he'll never forget as he paddles blind home through the weeping end of the world. Then his tormentors tussle and run to the Cockle Street sweet shop, their pennies sticky as honey, to buy from Miss Mavanwee Price, who is cocky and neat as a puff-bosomed robin on her small round buttocks, tight as ticks, gobstoppers, big as wens that rainbow as you suck, brandy balls, wine gums, hundreds and thousands, licorice sweet as sick, nugget to tug and ribbon out like another red rubbery tongue, gum to glue in girls' curls, crimson cough drops to spit blood, Ice cream cornets, dandelion and burdock, raspberry and cherryade, pop goes the weasel and the wind. Gossamer Bynan, high heels out of school. The sun hums down through the cotton flowers of her dress into the bell of her heart and buzzes in the honey there and couches and kisses lazy, loving and boozed in her red-buried breast. Eyes run from the trees and windows of the street, steaming gossamer, and strip her to the nipples and the bees. She blazes naked past the sailor's arms, the only woman on the die-addomed earth. Sinbad sailor's places on her thighs, still dew-damp from the first man-growing cockcrow garden, his reverent goat-bearded hands. I don't care if he is common, she whispers to her salad day deep self. I want to gobble him up. I don't care if he does drop his H's, she tells the stripped and mother of the world big beamed and eve hipped spring of herself. So long as he's all cucumber and hooves. Sinbad Sailors watches her go by, demure and proud and schoolmarm in her crisp flower dress and sun-defying hat with never a look or lilt or wriggle, the butcher's unmelting ice-maiden daughter, veiled forever from the hungry hug of his eyes. Oh, Gossamer Bynan, why are you so proud? He grieves to his Guinness. Oh, beautiful, beautiful Gossamer Bee, I wish, I wish that you were for me. I wish you were not so educated. <laughs> she feels his goat beard tickle her in the middle of the world like a tuft of wiry fire, and she turns in a terror of delight away from his whips and whiskery conflagration 
and sits down in the kitchen to a plate heaped high with chips and the kidneys of lambs. In the blind-drawn, dark dining room of schoolhouse, dusty and echoing as a dining room in a vault, Mr. and Mrs. Pugh are silent over cold grey cottage pie. Mr. Pugh reads as he forks the shroud meat in from Lives of the Great Poisoners. <laughs> He's bound a plain brown paper cover round the book. Slyly, between slow mouthfuls, he side-spies up at Mrs. Pugh, poisons her with his eye, then goes on reading. He underlines certain passages and smiles in secret. Persons with manners do not read at table, says Mrs. Pugh. She swallows a digestive tablet as big as a horse pill, washing it down with clouded pea soup water. Some persons were brought up in pigsties. Pigs don't read at table, dear. Bitterly, she flicks dust from the broken cruet. It settles on the pie in a thin gnat rain. Pigs can't read, my dear. I know one who can. Alone in the hissing laboratory of his wishes, Mr. Pugh minces among bad vats and Jeroboams, tiptoes through spinnies of murdering herbs, agony dancing in his crucibles, and mixes, especially for Mrs. Pugh, a venomous porridge, unknown to toxologists, which will scald and viper through her until her ears fall off like figs, her toes grow big and black as balloons, and steam comes screaming out of her navel. <laughs> You know best, dear, <laughs> says Mr. Pugh, and quick as a flash, he ducks her in rat soup. What's that book by your trough, Mr. Pugh? It's a theological work, my dear. <laughs> Lives of the Great Saints. Mrs. Pugh smiles. An icicle forms in the cold air of the dining vault. I saw you talking to a saint this morning. Saint Polygata. She was martyred again last night in Milkwood. Mrs. Organ Morgan saw her with Mr. Waldo. And when they saw me, they pretended they were looking for nests, said Mrs. Organ Morgan to her husband, with her mouth full of fish as a pelican's. But you don't go nesting in long combinations, I said to myself, like Mr. Waldo was wearing, and you're dressed nearly over your head like Polly Garters. Oh, they didn't fool me. One big bird gulp and the flounder's gone. She licks her lips and goes stabbing again. And when you think of all those babies she's got, then all I can say is she'd better give up bird nesting, that's all I can say. Isn't the right kind of hobby at all for a woman that can't say no, even to midgets? <laughs> Remember Bob Tom Spit? He wasn't any bigger than a baby, and he gave her two. Oh, but they're two nice boys, I will say that. Fred Spit and Arthur. Sometimes I like Fred best, and sometimes I like Arthur. 
Who do you like best, Organ? Oh, Bach, without any doubt. Bach, every time for me. Organ, Morgan, you haven't been listening to a word I said. It's organ, organ, all the time with you. And she burst into tears. And in the middle of her salty howling, nimbly spears a small flatfish and pelicans it whole. And then, Palestrina, says Organ Morgan. Lord Cutglass, in his kitchen full of time, squats down alone to a dog dish marked Fido of peppery fish scraps and listens to the voices of his 66 clocks, one for each year of his loony age, and watches with love their black and white, moony, loud-lipped faces tocking the earth away. Slow clocks, quick clocks, pendulumed heart knocks, china, alarm, grandfather, cuckoo, clocks shaped like Noah's whirring ark, clocks that bicker in marble ships, clocks in the wounds of glass women, hourglass chimers to wit to woo clocks, clocks that pluck tunes, Vesuvius clocks, all black bells and lava, Niagara clocks that cataract their ticks, old time weeping clocks with ebony beards, clocks with no hands, forever drumming out time without ever knowing what time it is. His 66 singers are all set at different hours. Lord Cutglass lives in a house and a life at siege. Any minute or dark day now, the unknown enemy will loot and savage downhill, but they will not catch him napping. 66 different times in his fish slimy kitchen. Ping, strike, tick, chime, and tock. The lust and lilt and lather and emerald breeze and crackle of the bird praise and body of spring with its breasts full of rivering may milk means to that lordly fish head nibbler nothing but another nearness to the tribes and navies of the last black day, who'll sear and pillage down Armageddon Hill to his double-locked, rusty-shuttered, tick-tock, dust-scrabbled shack at the bottom of the town that has fallen head over bells in love. And I'll never have such loving again. Pretty Polly hums and longs. Now and farmers' boys on the first fair day come down from the hills to drink and be gay. Before the sun sinks, I lie there in their arms for they're good, bad boys from the lonely farms. But I always think as we tumble into bed of little Willie Wee who is dead, dead, dead. A sunny, slow, lulling afternoon yawns and moons through the dozy town. The sea lolls, laps and idles in with fishes sleeping in its lap. The meadows still as Sunday, the shut-eye tasseled bulls, the goat and daisy dingles nap happy and lazy. The dumb duck ponds snooze. Clouds sag and pillow on Llaregib Hill. Pigs grunt in a wet wallow bath and smile as they snort and dream. 
They dream of the acorn swill of the world, the rooting for pig fruit, the bagpipe dugs of the mother sow, the squeal and snuffle of yeses of the women pigs in rut. They mud bask and snout in the pig-loving sun. Their tails curl. They rollick and slobber and snore to deep, smug, after swill sleep. Donkeys angelically drowse on donkey down. Persons with manners. Snaps Mrs. Cold Pew. Do not nod at table. Mr. Pew cringes awake. He puts on a soft soaping smile. It is sad and grey under his nicotine egg yellow weeping walrus Victorian moustache. <laughs> Worn thick and long in memory of Dr. Crippen. You should wait until you retire to your sty, says Mrs. Pugh, sweet as a razor. His fawning, measly quarter smile freezes. Sly and silent, he foxes into his chemist's den, and there, in a hiss and prussic circle of cauldrons and files brimful with pox and the black death, cooks up a fricassee of deadly nightshade, nicotine, hot frog, cyanide, and bat spit for his needling stalactite, hag and bed nag of a poker-backed nutcracker wife. I beg your pardon, my dear. <laughs> He murmurs with a wheedle. <laughs> Captain Cat, at his window thrown wide to the sun and the clippered seas he sailed long ago when his eyes were blue and bright, slumbers and voyages. Earringed and rolling, I love you, rosy prober tattooed on his belly. He brawls with broken bottles in the fug and babel of the dark dock bars, roves with a herd of short and good-time cows in every naughty port, and twines and souses with the drowned and blousy-breasted dead. He weeps as he sleeps and sails, and the tears run down his grog-blossomed nose. One voice of all he remembers most dearly as his dream buckets down. Lazy, early Rosie with the flaxen thatch, whom he shared with Tom Fred the donkeyman and many another seaman, clearly and near to him, speaks from the bedroom of her dust. In that gulf and haven, fleets by the dozen have anchored for the little heaven of the night. But... She speaks to Captain Napping Cat alone. Mrs. Probert. From Duck Lane, Jack, quack twice and ask for Rosie. Is the one love of his sea life that was sardined with women. What seas did you see, Tomcat, Tomcat, in your sailoring days long, long ago? What sea beasts were in the wavery green? When you were my master? I'll tell you the truth. Seas barking like seals. Blue seas and green. Seas covered with eels and mermen and whales. What seas did you sail, old whaler, when? On the blubbery waves between Frisco and Wales. You were my bosun? As true as I am here, dear. You, Tomcat's tart. 
You land lover, rosy you, cosy love, my easy as easy, my true sweetheart. Seas green as a bean, seas gliding with swans in the seal barking moon. What seas were rocking, my little deck hand, my favourite husband, in your sea boots and hunger, my duck, my whaler, my honey, my daddy, my pretty sugar sailor, with my name on your belly, when you were a boy long, long ago. I'll tell you no lies. The only sea I saw was the seesaw sea with you riding on it. Lie down, lie easy. Let me shipwreck in your thighs. Knock twice, Jack, at the door of my grave and ask for Rosie. Rosie Probert. Remember her. She is forgetting. The earth which filled her mouth is vanishing from her. Remember me. I have forgotten you. I am going into the darkness of the darkness forever. I have forgotten that I was ever born. Look, says a child to a mother as they pass by the window of Schooner House. Captain Cat is crying. Captain Cat is crying. Come back, come back up the silences and echoes of the passages of the eternal night. He's crying all over his nose, says the child. Mother and child move on down the street. He's got a nose like strawberries, the child says. And then she forgets him too. She sees in the still middle of the blue bag bay no good boyo fishing from the Zanzibar. Your good boy who gave me three pennies yesterday, but I wouldn't. The child tells her mother. Boyo catches a whalebone corset. It is all he has caught all day. Bloody funny fish. <laughs> Mrs. Diebred too gypsies up his mind's slow eye, dressed only in a bangle. She's wearing her nightgown. Would you like this nice wet? Corset, Mrs. Diebred, too? No, I won't. And a bite of my little apple? He offers with no hope. She shakes her brass nightgown, and he chases her out of his mind. And when he comes, gusting back, there in the bloodshot centre of his eye, a geisha girl grins and bows in a kimono of rice paper. I want to be good, boyo, but nobody let me. He sighs as she writhes politely. The land fades, the sea flocks silently away, and through the warm, white cloud where he lies, silky, tingling, uneasy eastern music undoes him in a Japanese minute. The afternoon buzzes like lazy bees round the flowers round my rose cottage. Nearly asleep in the field of nanny goats who hum and gently butt the sun, she blows love on a puffball. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. 
The dirty old fool. Lazy, she lies alone in clover and sweet grass. Seventeen and never been sweet in the grass. Ho, ho. The Reverend Eli Jenkins, inky in his cool front parlor or poem room, tells only the truth in his life work, the population, main industry, shipping, history, topography, flora and fauna of the town he worships in, the White Book of Hlaregib. Portraits of famous bards and preachers, all fur and wool, from the squint to the kneecaps, hang over him heavy as sheep. Next to faint lady watercolours of pale green milkwood, like a lettuce salad dying. His mother, propped against a pot in a palm, with her wedding ring waist and bust like a black cloth dining table, suffers in her stays. Oh, angels, be careful there with you knives and forks, he prays. There is no known likeness of his father, Esau, who undog-collared because of his little weakness, was scythed to the bone one harvest by mistake when sleeping with his weakness in the corn. <laughs> he lost all ambition and died with one leg. Poor dad, grieved the Reverend Eli, to die of drink and agriculture. <laughs> Farmer Watkins in Salt Lake Farm hates his cattle on the hill as he hoes them into milking. Damn you, you damn dairies! A cow kisses him. Bite her to death! He shouts to his deaf dog, who smiles and licks his hand. Gore him! Sit on him, Daisy! He bawls to the cow who barbed him with her tongue, and she moves gentle words as he raves and dances among his summer-breathed slaves walking delicately to the farm. The coming of the end of the spring day is already reflected in the lakes of their great eyes. Bessie Bighead greets them by the names she gave them when they were maidens. Peg, Meg, Buttercup, Moll, Fan from the Castle, Theodosia, and Daisy. They bow their heads. Look up, Bessie Bighead, in the white book of Floregib, and you will find the few haggard rags and the one poor glittering thread of her history laid out in pages there with as much love and care as the lock of hair of a first lost love. Conceived in milkwood, born in a barn, wrapped in paper, left on a doorstep. Big-headed and bass-voiced, she grew in the dark until long-dead Goma Owen kissed her when she wasn't looking because he was dead. Now in the light, she'll work, sing, milk, say the cow's sweet names, and sleep until the night sucks out her soul and spits it into the sky. In her lifelong love light, holily, Bessie milks the fond, lake-eyed cows, as dusk showers slowly down over byre, sea, and town. Utah Watkins curses through the farmyard on a cart horse. Gallop, you bleeding cripple! And the huge horse neighs softly, as though he had given it a lump of sugar. Now the town is dusk. Each cobble 
donkey, goose, and gooseberry street is a thoroughfare of dusk. And dusk and ceremonial dust and night's first darkening snow and the sleep of birds drift under and through the live dusk of this place of love. Floregib is the capital of dusk. Mrs. Ogmore Pritchard, at the first drop of the dusk shower, seals all her sea view doors, draws the germ-free blinds, sits erect as a dry dream on a high-backed hygienic chair, and wills herself to cold, quick sleep. At once, at twice, Mr. Ogmore and Mr. Pritchard, who all dead day long have been gossiping like ghosts in the woodshed, planning the loveless destruction of their glass widow, reluctantly sigh and sidle into her clean house. You first, Mr. Ogmore. After you, Mr. Pritchard. No, no, Mr. Ogmore. You widowed her first. And in through the keyhole, with tears where their eyes once were, they ooze and grumble. Husbands, she says in her sleep. There is acid love in her voice for one of the two shambling phantoms. Mr. Ogmore hopes that it is not for him. <laughs> so does Mr. Pritchard. I love you both. Oh, Mrs. Ogmore. Oh, Mrs. Pritchard. Soon it will be time to go to bed. Tell me your tasks in order. We must, we must take, take our pajamas from, from the drawer, drawer mark pajamas. And then you must take them off. Oh. <laughs> Down in the dusking town, my rose cottage, still lying in clover, listening to the nanny goat's chew, draws circles of lipstick round her nipples. I'm fast. I'm a bad lot. God will strike me dead. I'm 17. I'll go to hell. She tells the goats. You just wait. I'll sin till I blow up. She lies deep, waiting for the worst to happen. The goats champ and sneer. And at the doorway of Bethesda House, the Reverend Jenkins recites to Thoregib Hill his sunset poem. Every morning when I wake, dear Lord, a little prayer I make. Oh, please to keep thy lovely eye on all poor creatures born to die. And every evening at sundown, I ask a blessing on the town. For whether we last the night or no, I'm sure is always touch and go. <laughs> we are not wholly bad or good who live our lives under milkwood. And thou, I know, wilt be the first to see our best side, not our worst. Oh, let us see another day. Bless us this holy night, I pray. And to the sun we all will bow and say goodbye. But just for now. 
Jack Black prepares once more to meet his Satan in the wood. He grinds his night teeth, closes his eyes, climbs into his religious trousers, their flies sewn up with cobbler's thread, and pads out, torched and bibled, grimly, joyfully, into the already sinning dusk. Off to Gomorrah! <laughs> and Lily Smalls is up to no good boyo in the wash house. <laughs> Cherry Owen, sober as Sunday as he is every day of the week, goes off happy as Saturday to get drunk as a deacon, as he does every night. I always say she's got two husbands, says Jerry Owen. One drunk and one sober. And Mrs. Cherry simply says, And aren't I a lucky woman, because I love them both. Evening, Cherry. Evening, Sinbad. What'll you have? Too much. The sailor's arms is always open. Sinbad suffers to himself. Heartbroken. Oh, Gossamer. Open yours. Dusk is drowned forever. Until tomorrow. It is all at once night now. The windy town is a hill of windows. And from the larruped waves, the lights of the lamps in the windows call back the day and the dead that have run away to sea. All over the calling dark, babies and old men are bribed and lullabied to sleep. Hushabye, baby, the sandman is coming. Rockabye, grandpa, in the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the bough breaks, the cradle will fall. Down will come grandpa, whiskers and all. Or their daughters cover up the old, unwinking men like parrots. And in their little dark, in the lit and bustling young kitchen corners, all night long they watch, beady-eyed, the long night through, in case death catches them asleep. Unmarried girls, alone in their privately bridal bedrooms, powder and curl for the dance of the world. They make, in front of their looking-glasses, haughty or come-hithering faces for the young men in the street outside at the lamp-lit leaning corners who wait in the all-at-once wind to wolf and whistle. The drinkers in the sailors' arms drink to the failure of the dance. Down with the waltzing and the skipping. Dancing is unnatural. Righteously, says Cherry Owen, who has just downed 17 pints of flat, warm, thin, Welsh bitter beer. <laughs> a farmer's lantern glimmers, a spark on Flaregib hillside. Flaregib Hill, writes the Reverend Jenkins in his poem room, that mystic tumulus the memorial of peoples that dwelt in the region of Flarege before the Celts left the land of summer, and where the old wizards made themselves a wife out of flowers. Mr. Waldo, in his corner of the sailor's arms, sings. 
In Pembroke City when I was young, I lived by the castle keep. Sixpence a week was my wages for working for the chimney sweep. Six cool pennies he gave me, not a farthing more or less. And all the fare I could afford was parsnip gin and watercress. I did not need a knife and fork or a bib up to my chin To dine on a dish of watercress and a jug of parsnip gin Did you ever hear a growing boy to live so cruel cheap On grub that has no flesh and bones and liquor that makes you weep Sweep, sweep, chimbly sweep, I wept through Pembroke City. Poor and barefoot in the snow, till a kind young woman took pity. Poor little chimbly sweep, she said, black as the ace of spades. Oh, nobody swept my chimbly since my husband went his ways. <laughs> Come and sweep my chimney, come and sweep my chimney. She sighed to me with a blush. Ah. Come and sweep my chimney, come and sweep my chimney. Bring along your chimney brush. Ah. <laughs> Blind Captain Cat climbs into his bunk. Like a cat, he sees in the dark. Through the voyages of his tears, he sails to see the dead. Dancing Williams, still dancing. Jonah Jarvis, still. Curly Bevan's skull. Rosie with God, she has forgotten dying. The dead come out in their Sunday best. Listen to the night breaking. Organ Morgan goes to chapel to play the organ. He plays alone at night to anyone who will listen. Lovers, revelers, the silent dead, tramps or sheep. He sees Bach lying on a tombstone. Johann Sebastian! Who? Johann Sebastian Mighty Bach. Oh, Bach, Bach. To hell with you, says Cherry Owen, who is resting on the tombstone on his way home. <laughs> Mr. Mog Edwards and Miss Mavanwi Price, happily apart from one another at the top and the sea end of the town, write their every night letters of love and desire. In the warm white book of Floregib, you will find the little maps of the islands of their contentment. Oh, my Mog, I am yours forever. And she looks around with pleasure at her own neat, never dull room, which Mr. Mog Edwards will never enter. Come to my arms, Mavanui. And he hugs his lovely money to his own heart. And Mr. Waldo, drunk in milk wood, hugs his lovely polygata under the eyes and rattling tongues of the neighbors and the birds. And he does not care. He smacks his live red lips. But it is not his name that polygata whispers as she lies under the oak and loves him back. Six feet deep, that name sings in the cold earth. 
But I always think, as we tumble into bed, of little Willie Wee, who is dead, dead, dead. The thin night darkens. A breeze from the creased water sighs the streets close under milk waking wood. The wood whose every tree foot's cloven in the black lad sight of the hunters of lovers. That is a God-built garden to Marianne the sailors who knows there is heaven on earth and the chosen people of his kind fire in Llaregib's land. That is the fair day farmhands wantoning ignorant chapel of bride beds and to the Reverend Eli Jenkins a green-leaved sermon on the innocence of men. The suddenly wind-shaken wood springs awake for the second dark time this one spring day. Thanks for listening. 92nd Street Y, Unterberg Poetry Center webcasts, and access to our archive are made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information on 92nd Street Y and all our programs, please visit us on the web at 92y.org. This program is copyright 2014 by 92nd Street Y.